somehow to a psalm and then hearing a text from the book of Acts. Um, Today we're going to sing a psalm. This is a psalm, if you've ever heard the Irish blessing, may the road rise to meet you, may the sun be always at your back. It it comes from this, um, and the face of God to shine upon you. Um, But this is much more ancient than that. The Jews used it to close worship um, often. And we're going to sing... Um, number 341, you can stay seated. God show us your mercy, which is a paraphrase of Psalm 67.
book of Acts, of course, tells the story of the early church and the development of the church from the time of Pentecost um, throughout. And what's happening here is there has just been, in chapters 14, 15, and now into 16, a big fight amongst the church about how one must become a Christian. Must you be a Jew first to become a Christian? Or can Gentiles actually enter the flock of, the, of Christianity and be part of the church? And so, as we saw last week, Peter, both Peter and Paul have gotten word from God that Gentiles can become Christian people, which is shocking. And now we see that Paul has wanted to take this message to Asia. But God has a different plan. And so we learn we must be open to God's leading. From the 16th chapter of Acts, starting at the 9th verse. During the night, Paul had a vision, and there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision... We immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took straight course to Samothrace the following day to Napopolis. Yes. And from there we went to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in that city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth, which, by the way, meant she was rich. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized... She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Here ends our reading. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it finally happened this week, the chink in the armor of the church we thought would last forever. The announcement has come that Willow Creek Church outside of Chicago has laid off 30% of its staff because their post-COVID numbers have not recovered. They're running out of money. They're running out of people. They're running out of energy. 
In the 90s, when Willow Creek was started, none of us could have ever imagined that that would happen. It was the premier church in the nation. Bill Hybels was there, since then has had a pastoral scandal. I still love Bill Hybels, by the way. The fortress is cracked. But it was the premier church for seekers. And at that time in the life of ministry, seekers was the hottest thing around. Anytime you went anywhere, people want to know, what are you doing for the seekers? What kind of ministry do you have for seekers? What are you opening up for the seekers in your midst? Seekers, of course, people who have some sense of seeking God in their life, but don't know much or anything at all about the Bible or church or Christianity. And they have a sense that they want to know more. They want to seek out something else. The religious landscape sociologically has changed dramatically since then. We no longer talk much about seekers. Now we talk about the nuns. You've heard me say this, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, those who have no affiliation. And many of them don't seek. They're not interested. And if they are interested, you can't do it in the church. You can't do it in a way that sounds churchy. One of my students, my students from long ago, long, long, long ago, because I feel very old, has started a church called Not So Churchy. And the nuns love it. She's the one, by the way, that on Ash Wednesday baptizes people on the corner of the street and people just flock to it to get, not baptized, uh, does imposition of ashes. And people just flock to her to get imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday. It's the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. But there's a need for people. And that's what seekers were doing. They were looking to fill a need. You've heard my story that has touched me so much that was explained to me in the early days of my Christian faith. There's a hole in your heart. And you can try to fill that hole in your heart with many things. Money, sex, power. As the story was told to me, the young woman said, I tried to fill mine with a Marine. Men, women, whatever. There's a hole in your heart that only God can fill. And until your heart is filled with God, anything else you try to put in that hole is like putting a square peg in a round hole. The beauty of seekers is that they somehow instinctively knew that and wanted to find that part that fit in their heart. Enter today Lydia. Lydia, who is not worshiping in a synagogue. Why? Because she's a Gentile woman and they wouldn't let her in. If that had been many of us, she said, they won't let me in? Forget it. I'll just stay home and watch Joel Osteen. 
oh, is that what you do on golf, whatever? I don't know what it is. Whatever you watch on Sunday morning. Sleep in, I just sleep in. I used to say read the newspaper, but if you've read the newspaper lately, that's not worth sleeping in for. I could just forget it. The synagogue's locked me out. But instead, she gets up, she goes outside the city. Now that's important because outside the city is not safe for anybody, let alone women on their own. She goes outside the city to pray. She's not a Jew. She doesn't know how to pray. But she's there anyway. She's there with other women who are supporting her in her spiritual venture. And along comes Paul. Paul, who has been open to God's leaning. Paul, who was sure that God was telling him to take this new word of God, this new power of Jesus to Asia and spread it throughout the known world in that direction. He was in Asia when he saw the vision. He was already there, ready to enact his plan. And God came to him and said, no, go to Greece. Macedonia is Greece, by the way. Macedonia, go to Greece. Now, if that had been most of us in the church, we had said, yeah, but we, we, we paid a consultant to develop a five-year plan for us, and we've got it written down right here, and it's all in black and white, and we can't possibly veer from our plan. We've got to go to Asia. But Paul opened to the leading of the Spirit. Goes to Europe instead. where he meets Lydia who in case you missed it becomes the first Christian convert on the continent of Europe yeah Paul's being radical in this he goes and meets with women a good Jew sitting down with women. He couldn't have done that in the synagogue. First of all, they would have been segregated off by themselves. He wouldn't even have been able to talk to them. But here he goes and sits down with them, tells them the story of Jesus. And she listens. She opens herself to God And she hears God's word through Paul. And she and all her household, now for a woman to have a household that she commanded was a big deal. So we know that this woman was wealthy because she dealt in, in, in purple, which only wealthy people did. Only the elite wore purple. And we knew that she had power and control because she controlled her own household. And she and the household got baptized. 
which was the sign to say, I'm buying into this Christian thing. I'm no longer a seeker. I want my heart filled with Jesus. And then she does this brilliant thing. She says to Paul, whose ego is in this, because he has been the one to baptize her, he says, she says to him, if you find me worthy, come to my house. Well, of course he's going to find her worthy. He's the one that baptized her. He's the one that converted her. If you find me worthy, of course. She's a genius, this woman. And then there's this interesting phrase at the end that says, and she prevailed upon them. Now, the way that sounds in this book, in this text, it sounds like what she did was she showed them great hospitality. And I think she did because later on he goes to jail and when he gets thrown out and when he gets out of jail, he goes back to her house to stay to rest. But that's not what the word prevail means. Prevail doesn't mean that he showed her great hospitality. Prevailed is like this. Prevailed is if we're at a cocktail party and Debbie and Karen are there, we could prevail upon them to sing us a good Broadway number. Right? Use your gifts and skills to amuse me, to entertain me. I can beg you to do well by me. I think what that means is when it says she prevailed upon us, she made Paul preach to her more. She was so open to the leading of the Spirit that she didn't want it to stop. She wanted to learn everything she possibly could to be ignited in the way of God. I'm sad that we don't talk about seekers anymore in the church, not just because it was good for our evangelism, good for our minds to think about the fact that there are people out there that need to know what we know here, but also because it helps us, sadly, forget that we too should always be seekers in the life of faith. We used to, a while ago, always never started worship without singing, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. We sang it today. There are others, open my eyes, I want to see Jesus. That was not in tune, but you get the idea. Gail Looney, don't judge me. When I was in seminary the second time, I had a friend who wrote a song. And the catchphrase was, I can see you. And so we all say, I can see you, meaning that we could see God. There was this great line in this song that said, when my heart breaks, it breaks open. So the light can come in and I can see God.
I do think there are people who stop seeking God once they get here and become baptized and open their homes to the Lord and open their ways to God because they get tired, they think they know it all, they think they've got it. Years ago, the Lutherans did a study of their confirmation curriculum because what they discovered was once their kids got confirmed, they left the church. What they discovered was the curriculum was telling the kids, once you're confirmed, you've made it. Go on. And they did. They changed their curriculum pretty quickly after that, by the way. I think there are people in the church that do that. I do. We think we've made it, so we don't need to seek anymore. But I also think there are people in the church who, if they were really honest with each other, would realize the reason they're not open to God's calling is because it's terrifying. God's calling can break your heart. You want to go to Asia? God wants you in Europe. You think your ministry is to this nice white middle class neighborhood? God wants you in East Wheeling with little black kids. You think your life is to keep your church open no matter what the cost. God is saying go and have a storefront church. Forget about your building. All of these are true stories, by the way, that have happened to somebody in the life of their church. That's frightening stuff. To be so open to what God might have for us that it'll break our heart. But, friends, I'm telling you, it will break your heart open so God can come in. Lydia was already in prayer. Lydia was already discerning. Lydia already had God's power and spirit in her life. It made her open to all the possibilities the Holy had for her. She became the first Christian convert in all of Europe. Spread the word of Jesus. Open your hearts to the ways of God. I promise you'll be surprised by the new adventure that you find. Thanks be to God.